I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes Podcast. Today I've got the last in a string of flashback 50s, this one too, Electric Ladyland by Jimi Hendrix. We'll hear from musicians from across the Echoes spectrum about the impact of this iconic classic album. Voices we'll hear include Jefferson Airplane's Yorma Kalkinen, Dead Can Dance's Brendan Perry, Wilco's Nels Klein, Moby, and more. That's all ahead. Before we get to that, I want to let you know that in order to bring you the great interviews and features like this for free, we need your support. If you're listening to the Echoes podcast, you already know that you're listening to music outside the mainstream, music you don't find on commercial and even most public radio. But for us to bring these new discoveries and old ones like Electric Ladyland to you, we need your support. So go to our website at echoes.org and make a donation. That's echoes.org. And if you want to sponsor the podcast or the radio show, go to echoes.org as well and click the Support Echoes tab. And now, make sure you have your set and setting in place. It's a flashback 50 to Jimi Hendrix's Electric Ladyland. It is one of the most beautiful psychedelic recordings. Sonically, the psychedelic area was best captured by Electric Lady Room. I mean, if you wanted to just pick one song off that album, All Along the Watchtower is, is brilliant, in my opinion beyond words there must be some kind of way out of here joker to the thief. electric ladyland was the third and final album by the Jimi hendrix experience and the last great album by the guitar icon released while he was alive descending from the acid-hued skies that arrived on october 16 1968 and solidified hendrix's genius not only as a guitar player but a manipulator of sonic space it was a double album designed for automatic turntables so you could play side a and b on two separate discs then flip them over for side c and d it was a journey through the blues stretched out in psychedelic infinity today we take a voyage through electric ladyland with some of the musicians who were there at the time and some of Hendrix's musical descendants. The first 45 I ever bought was See Emily Play by the Pink Floyd. And the second 45 I ever bought was, in fact, Voodoo Child's Slight Return, with All Along the Watchtower on the B-side. So I've always had a lot of affection for this record. Electronic musician Gary Hughes of Bombay Dub Orchestra and the Delia Derbyshire Appreciation Society. And it was a picture sleeve in black and white of Hendrix's face. I just didn't know what I was listening to even, really. It was so unlike anything else I'd ever heard. Thank you. 
you listen particularly to Electric Ladyland, you hear what he had done uh, with recording technology and with you know, speaker panning and echo and all these different things. Uh, beautiful guitar layerings and whatnot. It's very, very coloristic, and it's I guess it, you could say it's psychedelic. Nels Klein, guitarist with Wilco and a prolific solo artist in his own right. Now, because we have the technology to do things like that live, that's that's really where I'm coming from a lot is uh, making sounds on the guitar that were in the 60s only possible at the recording studio. We hear it today and it might not sound um, as unique as it really is because we are used to hearing a lot of guitar players plug into a lot of boxes and play a lot of stuff but that was groundbreaking ambient guitarist jeff pierce things like the the backwards guitar effect that's just completely revolutionary to the point to where yes companies make digital delays that offer a backwards digital delay option but no one can use it without sounding like Jimi Hendrix. It's just, it's impossible. Eric Scott, an ambient music composer and former bassist with Alice Cooper. He released this album, Electric Ladyland, and the intro and the God's Made Love tells it all for me. That first minute and a half with the affected and echoed drums and the effects that they did with the tape machine and the voices, that otherworldly psychedelic rock, that was the burst of it. And I think that best encapsulated that whole era of psychedelic rock and uh, experimentation through chemistry and the hippies, so-called. That whole era was best encapsulated with that album, Electric Lady Land, in the first one minute and 30 seconds. I remember seeing interviews, for instance, with Hendrix. He was always saying, I, I, I wish I'd rather be a dolphin, you know, kind of swimming in the sea. He had this kind of affinity with the sea, I think. So this merman kind of kind of wishful kind of thinking is really interesting for me it, it, it kind of you know we came from the sea if you if you believe in evolutionary science this is kind of like a an over saying we, we should return to the sea dead condensers and brendan perry talking about hendrix's 13 minute aquatic journey of the soul 1983 a merman i should turn to be all the music is arranged so it kind of like breaks down and dissolves and liquefies I mean, you, you couldn't do that unless you, you'd obviously were taking some psychotropics, for heaven's sakes, could you really? But it's a beautiful application of psychedelic principles where form and matter is no longer hard and is solid but, but becomes liquid, just, just like the experience of tripping where everything becomes flux and moves and, and suddenly becomes kind of this molecular dough. It's like you're looking through atomic, atomic prisms and structures. It's, and and that's what I get from, from that Hendrix track is, this kind of dissolution. You know, it's this this merging, this kind of metamorphosis, this Ovidian kind of um, 
description of, of merging with, with nature. Hooray, I awake from yesterday Alive but the war is here to stay So my love, Katharina and me Desire to take our last walk Through the noise to the sea Not to die but to be reborn Away from the land so battered and I looked back out of interest at some contemporary reviews, uh, and they weren't all great. Gary Hughes. A lot of people thought it was an unfocused record. It, you know, it jumps around a lot. I mean, it does. I mean, some of it is almost pure pop, and some of it is experimental, psychedelic. I mean, especially 1983, a moment I would be. I mean, sort of great sprawling kind of prog rock kind of thing about it. Uh, with lots of experimental stuff going on. And some of it's very tight, and there's short, little snappy songs like Crosstown Traffic. Jimmy was brilliant on so many levels, and of course, unfortunately, we'll never know what he could have done. Your McCalkinen, guitarist with Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna. But because I sat in on some of those sessions too, what he did as an artist in that album to me will, will live forever. I, I mean, it's just a really, well, you know, without looking for new words, it's a really cool album. I mean, the layers of sound. Uh, all, all this kind of quote-unquote psychedelic kind of stuff, but once again, never losing the groove. It's awesome. Jimi Hendrix was very inspiring to me. The late Connie Plonk, German producer of Kraftwerk, Cluster, Ultravox, Brian Eno, and more. Because he used also, he used the desk also as a music instrument. He was with Stockhausen. Um, he was also one of the first dub mixers who could even uh, make his guitar playing on the desk more effective. When you listen to House Burning Down, how the, the guitar uh, becomes uh, a big Harley Davidson who rides through the clouds.
Hendrix would die less than two years after Electric Ladyland was released. Electronic artist Moby, who once recorded under the pseudonym Voodoo Child. I've recorded Electric Ladyland, and it's sort of a tragic story. He was recording constantly in New York and paying all this money for studios, so then he decided to build his own studio. So he built, at the time, the most perfect rock studio, Electric Ladyland. And uh, it was finished, and he died a week later. You know, it's almost like a Werner Herzog movie. It's like, you know, <laughs> like Fitzcarraldo with Jimi Hendrix. Electric Ladyland stands as a pinnacle of Jimi Hendrix's creativity, although we'll never know how much further he could have taken us. Nels Klein. I don't feel that Hendrix was able to get close to what he was hearing. You know, he was hearing full-on orchestral music, but didn't have the training to do it. He wanted to stop and take music lessons and realize something that was, I think, far grander and far more sublime than, than you know, blues guitar. What the There was blues on Electric Ladyland, but Hendrix was already finding something more sublime. Electric Ladyland, released 50 years ago on October 16, 1968. Electric Ladyland was originally a double album, but it's just been reissued in a deluxe 50th anniversary edition with all kinds of alternate tracks, outtakes, a live performance, and a documentary about its production. There should be a link for it on the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. Next week on the Echoes podcast, we hear from keyboardist Jan Hammer, who came to renown with the Mahavishnu Orchestra and the Miami Vice soundtrack. We talk about his new album, Seasons Part 1, and more. I'm John DiLiberto. Thanks for tuning in to the Echoes podcast. See you next week, tonight, or online right now on Echoes. Echoes.